For many years, people have asked the question, why did John write the Gospel that he wrote? The other three Gospels had been in circulation for several years, probably at least a decade or two, before John sat down, from what we can tell by history, to write his account of Jesus' life. And so with three somewhat full accounts of Jesus' life, why would John sit down to write yet another? There's been many attempted answers to that question. Some think that John was writing to correct some false beliefs that had grown up within the church, beliefs about Jesus and was he really fully God? Was he really fully man? Some say that John had a nefarious, a, uh, almost an evil intent in writing his gospel and that he was anti-Semitic, anti-Jewish, and so he wrote a gospel where the Jews were the bad guys. The Jews were the ones who were the Jesus killers, if you will, which is kind of funny since John himself was a Jew and all the disciples were Jews, and so it was counterproductive to what he says about the Jews, even within his own book. Others just say that John wrote because there were some blanks. As full as the other accounts are, there were some blanks, and John just wanted to fill them in. But anytime we have a document in front of us and we want to know why the document was written, we should go to that document and see what the author himself said. And at the end of this resurrection account, John gives us the reason why he wrote the book. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. And this resurrection account is crafted for us to draw us into belief. Draw us into the affirmation of the truth of the resurrection. Draw us into the, the belief and the, the, the truth of that resurrection. And also to cause us to trust and to rest in the work that was done in us, done for us and in us by that resurrection. And so today I want to trace John's line of thought as he calls us to believe, even though we have not seen. The first character I want to look at, the first person in this account that I want to consider is Mary Magdalene. And I want to look at how Mary Magdalene saw the resurrected Jesus and believed. The other Gospels tells us that Jesus had cast demons from Mary. And after that, Mary had followed Jesus for a while. And Mary may have been one of the women who were women of means that helped to finance Jesus' ministry. And Mary was the, one of the first one, one of the first women to see the resurrected Jesus. And as a bit of an aside right here, that's kind of a countercultural thing for first century Roman Empire for us to base and for the disciples to base the initial witness, the initial testimony on the words of a woman. Several times in here, the word has been translated woman. That is not a word of scorn. It's a word of endearment. It's a term of love as the angels and as Jesus say, woman, female friend, why are you weeping? During this time, women were not allowed to testify in court, and so their testimony would not be seen to be true. So for Jesus to give the initial message of His resurrection to these women, and for the disciples to believe them, was so countercultural to the way women were treated during this time. And it's a signal to us that Jesus put great weight on the ministry of the women in His life and great weight on the ministry of women in the church throughout all of church history. 
But Mary was at the tomb at daybreak. She was not there looking for a resurrected Christ. She was there to finish the job that was incomplete after Jesus was laid in the tomb. And Mary is surprised to, to show up and to see the tomb empty. And she runs and tells the disciples. And then she follows Peter and John back to the tomb. And Peter and John go through their seeing and believing, which we'll look at here in a minute. But she hangs out. She stays and she weeps. She came to honor the dead and the dead is gone. And she doesn't know where he is. She thinks that his body has been stolen. She thinks that somebody has come in the middle of the night and, and taken his body, whether for good or for ill. But she was there to honor the dead and the dead was not there. And she talks to the angels. They tell her that he is raised from the dead and she needs to take comfort in that. And she turns around and a man greets her. And she assumes that he is the gardener. And she goes through this interaction with him. If you're the one who has stolen the body of my Lord, give it back to me. I want to take care of it. I want to honor it. I want to treat him like the friend that he was. And he, in this sweet voice that she recognizes, she just, he just calls her name. It says Mary. And at that point, her eyes are open and she sees the resurrected Jesus. And what are her next words to the disciples? I have seen the Lord. I have placed my eyes upon the resurrected Christ. And what we're to see from that is that these teachings that Jesus had given throughout His ministry, that after three days of being dead, He would raise from the dead. We're told that Mary sees and believes. Well, that brings us to the disciples because the, next, the disciples are the next group of people that saw Jesus and believed. And there are really three stages to this. First are Peter and John. Mary comes and says, the tomb is empty. And Peter and John have this race to the tomb. And I love the fact that John puts in there that he beat Peter. He was the faster of the two. And yet he also tells us that he wasn't as bold as Peter because he stopped at the entrance to the tomb. And he didn't go in. And once Peter catches up with him, Peter burst in all his brashness and all his boldness burst into the tomb. And he sees the cloths laying there folded up neatly, no longer covering the body of Jesus. And then finally, John goes in. And here's the first stage we see. We're told here that John looks into the tomb and he says, he saw and believed. And we're told that they still did not understand from the Scriptures that Jesus had to rise from the dead. And so that is the first stage of the disciples seeing and believing. The second stage of the disciples seeing and believing comes in the locked room. On the evening of that first day, the disciples were together with the doors locked for the fear of the Jews. And then Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. The peace that He had purchased on the cross, the peace that was there through His resurrection, He proclaimed to them. And they were overjoyed. Their sorrow was turned to joy as they finally saw and believed the words that Jesus had said, that I will die and I will raise again. And He gives them this commission. He says, the Father has sent Me and, and I am going to send you. And then we have these weird words there in verse 22 about Jesus breathing on them and them receiving the Holy Spirit. If we look at the construction of this, this is more of an ordination, if you will. Whenever we ordain a minister or ordain elders or deacons, they are commissioned to do a work within the church. The deacons are commissioned to serve 
the physical needs of the church. The elders and the ministers are commissioned to serve the spiritual needs of the church. And we signify the giving of the Holy Spirit for that special commission by the laying on of hands. This is the same picture we have here. This is not the complete giving of the Holy Spirit like we have in Acts chapter 2. This is Jesus ordaining them for the mission of being, being, of being sent into the world. This is a, a very shortened version of the uh, Great Commission, if you will. But the second phase is the disciples seeing and believing. And the third phase is poor Thomas. Thomas was not there that night. We don't know why. We do know that many of the disciples scattered. John tells us that the disciples had gone to their own homes. And for some reason, Thomas had not been regathered with the disciples there in that room the night Jesus was there. And a week later, Thomas shows up and all the disciples are like, we saw Jesus. He was here. He stood among us. He talked to us. We know from the other Gospels that he, that he ate with them. And Thomas goes, you know what? Till I see and touch the wounds in his hands, his feet, and his side, I'm not going to believe it. I'm not going to believe it until I can see it. And so a week goes by, and they're back together, and Jesus shows up once again. And He says once again, peace be with you. And then He looks at Thomas and He says, here they are. Here are my hands and feet. Look at them. Touch them. Here's the wound in my side. Stick your hand in it. And Thomas goes, no. I've seen you. That is enough. You are my Lord and my God. And we see in that that Thomas saw and believed. And so we have Mary seeing and believing. We have the disciples seeing and believing. And then Jesus tells us, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And what we see in this is that since Mary saw and believed, since the disciples saw and believed, we are called to believe, even though we have not seen. If we consider the whole of this portion of the Gospel of John, the, the entirety of the talk that Jesus, the, the teaching that Jesus gave to His disciples during the last week of His life, beginning with, with Palm Sunday and ending here on Easter Sunday, we, if we were to consider and to look and read through that, we would see these words of Jesus where He says, the Holy Spirit will come to you. And all the things that I've taught you that you have forgotten, you will remember. And what He was telling the disciples and telling them about that work of the Holy Spirit was, I'm going to give you the Spirit so that you can write these things down. And so that the generations that follow you will know the truth of everything that happened. And what John is stating right here is he says, these words are the culmination. These words are the proof of that for me. The Holy Spirit reminded me of the teachings of Christ. The Holy Spirit reminded me of the things, the important things that you needed to know so that we today in 2017 might believe. These words were written so that we could believe that Jesus was the Christ, that Jesus was the Son of God, that Jesus was the one who died even though He lived a perfect life, and might believe that Jesus is the one who rose again. We're given eyewitness testimony in the Scripture for a reason. So that we can know that it's true. So that we can rest upon the foundation of the knowledge that our salvation is secure in the God whose steadfast love endures forever. And the benefit of that belief is eternal life. 
Mary saw and believed. The disciples saw and believed. We are called to believe through the witness, through their witness, and through the witness of the Holy Spirit in the Scriptures. We have plenty of things in our world and in our life that seem to demand skepticism. It seems that doubt is the way to go and doubt is the way to be cool in this world today. Some people claim that science can tell them what is right. Some people claim that their own, own inner sense of what is right, wrong, and true can tell them what is right, wrong, or true. But Scriptures tell us that the accounts of Jesus' life demand belief in their truth. Not just saying, yep, those are facts that have been written down. Not just saying those are true facts that have been written down. James tells us that those two things will get you as far as Satan and the demons. But belief means that we rest in them as our only hope. Belief means that we understand that we are sinners before God. And because of that, we are without hope, except for the fact that Jesus went about the work of reconciling us to God. And that we see that in His death and we also see that in His resurrection. And it is by His resurrection that the benefits of His life, His perfect life, might pour out to us. And so as we read and we consider these accounts today, we ask ourselves, do we believe? Because these accounts demand belief of us. Let us pray. Our gracious God and Holy Father, we thank You for the work of the Spirit that revealed Your Word to us. We thank You for the work that has shown us so mightily and so forcefully the resurrection. Help us to believe. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.